Welcome to the Donaghclody Parish Podcast. We're an Anglican Evangelical Church committed to glorifying God, preaching the gospel, and making disciples. Our current evening series is from First Kings. And it's great to be with you this evening. Uh, we're going to pray, and then we're going to study First Kings chapter ten. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that as we've been looking at First Kings, we've been seeing picture after picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray again that you'd open our eyes to see Jesus in this part of the Old Testament. We pray that you would come by your Holy Spirit and open the eyes of our hearts and our minds, that we would see Jesus so clearly and want to run to him. For it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I wonder if you've ever had an experience where you've said to yourself, can it get any better than this? There are many different uh, memories that I have. Uh, one on an island uh, called Koh Chang in Thailand, where I don't know how we did it, but we got this hotel all to ourselves. Um, and there was just Lisa, Joel, Tama and I, and Elijah and I, and uh, we just sat in this absolute paradise where people waited upon us hand and foot, or a time where Lisa and I were on our own uh, for a Valentine weekend. And we'd gone to a hotel to, to pamper ourselves, and then we went to Belfast. And I don't know what it was about this day, but the sun was shining, and everywhere we went, we just kept getting free stuff after free stuff. Uh, it was amazing. On those two occasions, I remember thinking, can it get any better than this? Can it get any better than this? Uh, and... Maybe you've had times in your life where everything's gone right and you think the same thing. And it can happen in our spiritual lives, can't it? Maybe you've been at a conference or in your quiet time and God has spoken to you so clearly. You've been lifted up to the heights of heaven, as Paul says, the, the seventh heaven. And you think this is amazing. You feel really close to God. You've experienced real blessing. And as we come to First Kings, uh, uh, we, we, we were looking at God's blessing on his people through his king. And the question for us is this. How do we experience God's blessing? How do we get the blessing of God? Or actually, probably a better question is, who should we go to to get God's blessing? Because as we've been looking through First Kings, I hope you've seen that in King Solomon, that in Old Testament terms, the chapters we've been looking at, they're as good as it gets for the people of Israel. This is a high point. This is the glory days for Israel and King Solomon. And as we've seen, he's just a poor reflection of Jesus. And my prayer is that as we look at King Solomon, that we get a better picture of Jesus, King Jesus, and whether you've just, you're, you're just looking at Christianity or you've been a Christian for a long time, I pray that this evening you get a bigger picture of Jesus. And so just so we have a bit of context, let's get back to 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse 3. And let's see, as George was preaching last week, that God has met Solomon again. And he's told them that if he's followed God's ways, then not just Solomon, but all Israel will be blessed. If he stays faithful, then God's blessings will flow, not just to Solomon, 
but to Israel. And if it goes wrong, then the whole country is going to be in trouble. And so it seems that everything is challenged through this one king. And on the surface of it, we might think, that's a bit daft. God putting all his eggs into one basket. And we might think, well, God, why don't you set up a democracy? Because what's good about a democracy is it means that you can vote out bad leaders. But the other thing about the democracy is actually it limits the good. And God sets up here a monarchy, an absolute monarchy. And through this king, the fortunes of the kingdom are channeled. And God does this with a better king in mind. King Jesus. Because if it had been a democracy, well, think about what people did with Jesus. As we thought about last week, Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. And God is now screaming out to us, here is your king. He's not established on the throne of Almighty God. And so in 1 Kings chapter 9, God has established King Solomon and is channeling his blessings through him. And now we see in 1 Kings chapter 10, everything seems to be going right for him. He's brilliant to trade. He sets up fortified cities. He's, his management of people is great. He knows what to do. International diplomacy is excellent. He's making deals. The money that's coming in is amazing. It's all working. Can things get any better than this? Here's King Solomon and he's one shrewd operator. And the blessings start to flow to Israel. And on top of all that, in 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 25, we read, Solomon is sacrificing burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to God. He's got his work life, his personal life, and now his spiritual life all working well. And as a result, Israel is being blessed. You can't get any better than this. And tonight we're going to see the first point is blessings are abundant because Solomon is doing well. And we see in first chapter, first Kings chapter 10, that actually foreign powers are so impressed by what they hear about Solomon, they want to come and see for themselves. And so in verse one, we read, when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and importantly, his relationship to the Lord, she came to test Solomon with hard questions. So this queen travels 1,500 miles or thereabouts to come and see King Solomon. She wants to see his abundant blessing. And what she finds when she gets there is that it surpasses all her expectations. Look at verse 4. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the place, palace where he had, he had built, the food on his table, the seat on his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made in the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She couldn't get her head around it. How blessed this man is. How blessed this country is. And so in verse 6, she said to the king, The reports I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe these things until I came and saw my own with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth, you far exceed the report heard. How happy are your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. 
How good, she says, it must be to be part of this kingdom. And that's the word of an independent witness, the Queen of Sheba. She sees the blessing. How good it is to be part of this people. Now, imagine you're an Israelite and you're living in the kingdom of Solomon. You must have been thinking, wow, this is amazing. This is amazing. You'd feel on top of the world, so prosperous. You've got God's favor. Your wallet is swelling. You've got this great king. Do you remember back in 2012? Uh, it was the year of the Olympics, wasn't it? But it was also the year of the Queen's Jubilee. There was all these special events. And at the time of the Olympics, everybody was walking around. Everybody was smiling. It seemed to be all going well because... We were getting all these medals. And it was, if I can remember, not a bad summer either. I know there were floods there on, but during the summer it was nice. Now, magnify that by about a million. And that must have been what the people of Israel were feeling. Everything was going so well. And so the feeling might be, it can't get any better than this. But actually, the story of the Bible is, it does get better. It does get better. So much better. There's such a greater king coming. See, there are great blessings for King Solomon, but there are better blessings yet to come. Better blessings than Solomon experienced. The story of Solomon shows us that God loves to bless his people. But even Solomon knew that there was one greater than him to come. He writes, if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn them to Psalm 72, Psalm 72. And he writes there, as we're thinking uh, at the end of the second book of the Psalms, he says, verse one, endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. Then listen to verse five. May he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon through all generations. Verse 8, may he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Verse 10, may the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him with gifts. Verse 11, may all the kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. Verse 12, for he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. So Solomon, he's saying that even his kingship looked forward to a day when a greater king will come. A king that would bring his blessing not just to Israel, but to all the nations from shore to shore. And we know this to be true because here we are as Christians. Here we are as Christians, not Israelites. We're enjoying the blessings of King Jesus. And yes, we see Solomon on top of the world, but actually Jesus is better. And yet the best is yet to come, even in Christ when he returns. And so for you and me, we ought to expect blessing from God, who loves to bless us. Expect blessings. In fact, we could even know something of that blessing here and now because Jesus has come. And we're not talking about material blessing, but spiritual blessing. Relationship with God, deep fellowship with one another. We can have all of this because of King Jesus.
Another similar experience that we can have is that for the Queen of Sheba, this blessing was more than she was expecting. And I think that's the often the case for people who come to Christ. It's better than what they ever heard about. The blessing they received is more than they thought was ever possible. See, our God blesses abundantly. And if that's true now, how much more do we have to look forward to in heaven? God knows how to bless his people. And he blesses them through Jesus. So believe that God blesses. Believe the Bible. Trust God. That's what he's going to do. He's, he's going to bless us. And then as we move on to verses 14 and following, I've called this section Solomon's Splendor. And I've put a question mark beside that. We actually see more of God's blessing here. And what we see here is more and more gold. So let's read verse 14. The weight of the gold that Solomon received yearly was 666 talents, not including the revenues from merchants and traders and from all the Arabian kings and the governors of the territories. I was doing a wee bit of calculations. That's 23 metric tons of gold. So one ton of gold today is worth $64.3 million or 500 and, or sorry, $58.7 million. That's 470 million pounds a year. And actually, as we read on there in verse 15, we see that's not even all the gold. There's including revenues from merchants and traders from all the Arabian kings and the governors of the territories. We see goblets of gold. There's so much gold. End of verse 21, we see that silver is seen as a cheap metal. He has a fleet of ships going around the Mediterranean bringing back gold, silver, ivory, apes and baboons. Amazing. Everything you'd ever wanted. Verse 23, King Solomon was greater in riches, riches and wisdom than all other kings of the earth. Do we see it? The splendor, the glory. Everything's going so well. And the first time I was reading this passage, I was overwhelmed with the opulence, with the with the gold and the uh, uh, and the, the the monkeys and the baboons and everything. And I thought, that's amazing. Everything's going well. And then I started to look at it, and I started to think, what's Solomon doing with all his wealth? Well, as I read through it again. I saw that he was making huge military shields with it. Verse 16 and 17. A big throne for himself, verse 18. All made of gold with all these lions about it. And he's got these shields and these thrones, verse 26. He gets chariots and horses. We read Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses, which he kept in the chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. All this stuff. And actually, as we see all this stuff accumulate, it's kind of like you going out and going to Tesco's or Sainsbury's or Little or wherever it is you do your shopping. And all you did was buy up fruit after fruit after fruit. You put it in your bowl and you never took it out. First couple of days, it looks class. After a week, things start to go off a bit. And after a couple of weeks, it's rotten. Because... In the law of Moses, 
we're told this is not what a king should do. So if you get your Bibles, keep it in 1 Kings 10 and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy 17. Let's see what the law of Moses says about God's king. It says from verse 14, When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you and taken possession of it and settled in it, and you say, Let's set a king over us like all the nations around us. Be sure to appoint over you a king the Lord God, your God chooses. He must be a fellow from among your fellow Israelites. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not an Israelite. Now, read the rest. The king over must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you you are not to go back that way. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. What's Solomon doing here? Well, get more and more horses. Next chapter, we'll see him accumulating wives. Here again, we see him piling up the gold. And all these things, the king shouldn't have been doing. And the NIV calls this Solomon's splendor, this section Solomon's splendor. And yes, it does look impressive on the first read. But actually, it should be called Solomon's slide. Because here's the roller coaster. Do you remember we talked about the roller coaster going up and up and up and up? Well, here's it dropping down. Solomon is losing the plot. We'll see more of that next week. And you get this idea of Solomon sitting upon his throne with all this gold and chariots thinking about global domination. He's getting all this advice and he's being pulled in all these different directions. And his life has become more complicated. There are too many things here and his life is compromised. And the kingdom ends up being split because Solomon is sliding down, down, down. It's all going to go downhill and it happens so quickly. And you kind of think to yourself, what would it have been like if Solomon stayed true? How good it could have been. The problem is no human heart can do that. Not you, not me, not anybody in this world. We need to look somewhere else. Even humanity at its best can't supply its own champion. Is this as good as it gets? Well, of course, the answer is no, because God does provide a king from above, a better king. And when we see the stench of Solomon start to grow, it helps us appreciate King Jesus all the more. Because where Solomon's heart started to get pulled in all directions, Jesus stayed true, true to the course. He never sinned. Just think of him facing the temptation of the devil. Think of the suffering he went through in the Garden of Gethsemane. The devil offered him the whole world. Yet Jesus said to him, worship God and him only. That's what Jesus does. Perfection. Right the way to the cross. There's a good king. There's splendor. This story shows us that we need a better king, even than King Solomon. The great news of the Bible is, God has provided one. Our problem is that we don't appreciate him as we should. We don't appreciate Jesus enough. We can even be embarrassed by Jesus. We hide him away. We 
We don't talk about him. Others think of him a bit as a wimp. He didn't make any great waves. He didn't win any wars. He was put on a cross. Look, it's not good to be ashamed of the king. Especially when your king is as good and as great as King Jesus. Because can you see in comparison with Solomon, Jesus is a giant. He's an amazing king. You and I need to appreciate Jesus more. So can we see that God loves to bless his people? He does that through his king. And there's a better king than in this passage. His name is Jesus. But I want just to turn to the two characters in this passage. And I want it to give us, first of all, a warning from the life of Solomon. Because as you read on from verse 14, we see that Solomon starts to go off the boil. He loses focus. And there's a great warning for us. Actually, one of the things that I've noticed is that Solomon starts to lose the plot as he gets older. And I've often had the blessing of meeting older, godly Christians. They grow in their love for Jesus. They grow in their discipleship. But it's also true that as we get older, we become complacent. We lose focus. Our lives get complicated and we compromise. Our energy wanes and we go off the boil. The reality is for you and I, if we are Christians, no matter what age we are, if we're 120 or we're just two years old, we've got to keep making the hard decisions for Jesus. We've got to stay focused on him. And so as we look at Solomon and we get older, we need to be careful. We need to be more focused than Solomon. See, there are a lot of things pulling at our hearts. And we need to repent of the compromise that's in your heart and mine. Jesus said in Matthew 22, didn't he? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. There's a warning from Solomon. And as we close, I want to say, be like Queen Queen of Sheba. We need to be like the Queen of Sheba. She hears about the blessing of God on Israel and on Solomon, and she comes a thousand and five hundred miles to come and see it. She's heard of the fame of the king, and she goes to the effort to bring him homage. She wants to be part of what's going on here. And in the New Testament, She's held up as a person of faith. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. The the reading, actually, the verse that George read at the very start of our Bible. Matthew 12 and verse 42. We read there, The Queen of the South, the Queen of Sheba, will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. See, in Jesus, not just something, but someone greater than Solomon is here. And we've seen that he channels greater blessing than Solomon. 
that he's a far greater king. And so if she traveled so far to pay homage to King Solomon, why don't we honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ? She saw the blessings. We can see the blessings. And as they exceeded her expectations, so in Christ, all our expectations will be so far exceeded. The difference is she was only visiting. You and I, if we repent and put our trust in Christ, can be with Christ for all eternity. We in Christ have the privilege of staying forever with him. So we need to draw near to King Jesus. And we need to let his blessing dwarf everything else in our lives. What I'm saying tonight is we need to make much of Jesus. Less of the things around us. We need to let his blessing dwarf everything else in our life. As we give our heart to follow him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've shown us about yourself in King Solomon and that you love to bless us so abundantly and that there's much greater blessing even than what we've seen tonight in King Jesus. Father, help us to make Jesus big in our lives and everything else small and to follow him all our days telling people about our King. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Donnacony Parish podcast. We're happy for this teaching to be shared for the advancement of gospel work and to help make disciples. For information about Donnacony Parish, please check out our website www.donnacony.co.uk or find us on social media.